This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, the title tonight is this. We're going to talk about how to be a doer. How to be a doer of the word. And uh, maybe you're familiar with this verse that you probably know I'm going to share. But the truth of the matter is this, is there's a lot of people, you ever know somebody that they're just all talk, but you know that they really can't deliver. You know, they, they, they talk about it and they, 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 they read about it, but they don't really do it. And listen, I like being around doers. I like people that can get the job done. I like somebody that will put their money where their mouth is. And so let's open up to a verse tonight that you should know this verse. You should have this memorized, no doubt about it. But let's look at James chapter 1, verse 22. Yes, James 1, verse 22. And you need to know this verse, man. This is going to be one that you have in your quick memory. This needs to be on speed dial. Because it's a good reminder. Now, this isn't one of those that's, uh, you know, pure inspiration. But this is one that I need to keep me, uh, keep my head right sometimes to remind me of, uh, of where I'm at. But James chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 22 here. And this, this is for all of us. But it says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves and there's a lot of people that are living in deception and it's easy to say well the devil deceived me on this one well not this time buddy you deceived yourself because you knew what the word said you heard it but you didn't actually do it and so the devil didn't deceive you it says you deceived yourself or well that mean old that mean old guy i work with he's just deceiving me and well no not on this time you know that could have happened but but this time you were deceiving yourself because you were a hearer of the word, you you knew what the word said, but you didn't actually do it. And I can tell you this, that one sign of immaturity is someone who knows what the right thing to do is, but they choose not to. Because it's either too hard, or maybe they don't feel like it, or or maybe they, you know, whatever the case is. But somebody that's immature in the Lord, or, you know, even in their own life. But an immature person, they will choose to do the wrong thing even when they know what the right thing is because they don't feel like doing it. That's what little kids do, right? Like, well, how come you, I told you to do this. Why didn't you do it? Well, I didn't feel like it. Well, you know, that that's not going to fly. That's immaturity. And it's really not going to fly when you become a big boy and girl and you go to work and your boss tells you to do something. Well, I just... You know, I just wasn't feeling it today, you know what I'm saying? So I, did, I didn't. I sat down and watched YouTube videos instead of helping the customers. And so I was just, you know what I mean? I just wasn't feeling those vibes. And, and people say dumb stuff like that. And, it, you know, you get away with it when you're a kid. But when you're in warfare, when you're an adult, when you're a, a, a grown-up, you can't get by with that stuff anymore. you got to, whether you feel like it or not, you do what the Word of God says. And that's when we're starting to separate the boys from the men, the men from the boys. We're starting to we're starting to get get to uh, where the mature people are when they can do the right thing, even when they don't feel like it. And it says right here that you're deceiving yourself. Do you know how hard it is to trick yourself? I dare you to sneak up on yourself and try to scare you sometimes. I mean, that's hard to do. I've tried it. It's like I always know I'm coming every time. And and so it's like, oh, man, I thought I had me this time. But listen. 
as silly as that sounds, it's like you can't sneak up on you and scare you. But that sounds silly. But that's what you're doing when you know what the word of God says to do and you don't do it. Because there's a lot of people. I know the word says this. Amen. Hey, hey, that's what the word says. But I'm not going to do it. What? You're deceiving yourself and you're going to bring some danger into your life. And so tonight we're going to look at some refresher stuff, as I told our uh, our uh, foundations class this morning. You know, we're not breaking out the groundbreaking theology that's just going to rattle your world tonight. I'm trying to reinforce some basic stuff because I'm convinced that we've got a lot of basics uh, that need reinforced in our Christian lives before we can move on to the deep, heavy revelations falling from heaven. Those are great, but we need to reinforce some of these basic things. And so let's look tonight. We're going to look at some results of being a hearer but not a doer, all right? So we're going to look at a few results of being a hearer, but not a doer. And the first result of somebody that hears it, but they don't do it, is number one, is they have no growth. Somebody that's going to be a hearer, but not a doer, they don't grow. And listen to me, I know people that have been in church for 50 years and are as mature as a two-month-old. They've gone nowhere. It's disgusting and it's sick and it's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. They should be out moving mountains and discipling and, and I mean, raising the, they, they should be out there absolutely rocking it, but they're not. They're still getting offended at everybody. They're still mad at everybody. They're still trying to make excuses for why they can't obey the word of God. They're still a, a complete and mature. And so why is that? Well, it's because they've heard the word for 50 years, but they just never did any of it. And it's great to hear the word. We should hear the word. Amen. I love the word of God. I, I listen to it for a couple hours a day. I read it as much. I mean, I read a lot of Bible. You guys do, too. I, I know that we are people that love the word of God. And that's a good thing to hear it and read it. You should do that. But you need to be a doer because you will end up in deception. And you'll think, well, yeah, I mean, I know what it says, but if you're not doing it, According to James 1.22, you will be a person that ends up deceiving themselves. And so there will be no growth in your life until you start doing what the Word of God says. It's nice to know that the Word says, thou shalt not steal. Come on, can I get an amen? Shouldn't do it. The Bible says not to. It's good to acknowledge that, but it's a whole other thing to actually obey that. You know, you go around, you know... Uh, holding up stores and stuff like that and robbing people. And man, hey, I, I know the word says thou shalt not steal. But it says it. Let him who stole steal no more. The word says that. Amen. Yeah, but you're not obeying that. And so you're going to go to jail and you're going to have bad things happen to you because you know what the word says, but you're not a doer of it. You still you're a robber and, and you're going to pay the price for that. Or, well, I know what the word says, you know, about this. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be. It says it says that. But you go out and get drunk all the time. Well, you're going to suffer consequences from that. Even though you knew what the word said, you weren't a doer. Am I making sense? Am I, I mean, this is this is so so basic. I was I saw this um, uh, this news article I was reading a while back. A British man named Eddie Hall uh, recently broke the world record for the deadlift. He lifted one thousand one hundred and two pounds. Like that's a lot of pounds. That's a lot of weight to lift. And so I, I watched the video. He nearly passed out. It was kind of it was interesting. But, but you know, this guy, here he is. He's read about it, but he actually does it. Then you got a guy like me who's read about it, but I don't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, I'm not the only one. Don't laugh at me. Some of you in here, you don't do it either. 
Obviously, none of us have lifted this amount because we're not world record holders. But at the same time, I know people that they'll read about something, for instance, like weightlifting all the time. And then they'll want to come up and talk with the big boys like, oh, yeah, man, I, hey, you know, if you if you hit this angle and you take these proteins and this, that's the way to go. I've, I've read all about it. And like, that's cool. But I'm going to listen to the guys that have not only read about it, they actually go out and do it. I want someone that's got some results, man. And it's nice. The, the hearers and the readers, they're great people and, and praise God. But listen to me. I want somebody that's actually done it. How would you like to go in, you know, and you're going to have an operation or something like that, and, and you're talking to the surgeon, and, and you're like, hey, you know, just tell me a little bit. I, w- I want to find out about you. And, and you're getting to know him, and he's like, man, I studied for eight years. I've read, I've read about this thousands of times. I've read, I've read, I've heard lectures. I've listened. I've gone to seminars and all this stuff. How many operations have you actually performed? Well, I've never actually done one, but I'm telling you right now, I've heard all about this stuff. I know, I know what some of these muscles are right here. I've read about it. Well, that's great, man, but I kind of want someone that's actually done it before. I want somebody that's actually a doer of what they've read. And there are a lot of Christians that I know and that you know that they've read it. Though they've heard it a thousand times, but they have never done it. And then they sit there wondering like, man, I don't get any results. I don't even know if this stuff works, man. It says this. Yeah. But you got to be a doer of the word. You got to get this in you. And so that's what we're looking about for. But I'm tired of seeing people that are an expert on different topics, but they've never actually put their hand to it. You know, we have this uh, this saying about most of us men in America. They call us the armchair quarterback. Why is that? Because. We sit in our living room and we yell at professional athletes that are getting paid $100 billion a year to do it because they're really good at it and we're not, but we always know what they should have done. And we're giving them expert. Oh, you should have gone right. You're there. The tight end was up. There was a wide open lane to the bass. What a fool, man. I don't even watch this stuff anymore. And we're sitting there yelling and all this stuff and like, hello. You're sitting on your couch eating potato chips and hot wings in Barstow. And here he is traveling the world doing something because he's actually a doer. He's got the goods. You read about it. You watch it. You hear about it. But you don't have what it takes. That's why you're not out there. And 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 there's a lot of Christians that are like that. They know what you should be doing because they've heard about it. They just never actually done it themselves. And I'm tired of people like that. I want to hang out with some doers. I want to surround myself with some people that have actually done some things. And let me tell you this. Growth comes from doing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We know that, but you need to actually use your faith for something and grow it. It needs to come up against some resistance and push back. Whenever somebody gets stronger muscles, well, how does that happen? It happens because they came up to some resistance. They pushed against the resistance overcame it and the more that you overcome the resistance against you the more you push back on it you start to get stronger you start to grow right and you know there's some people yeah like they seem like they're just naturally born with it but i promise you the way that you get stronger is you meet resistance but you push back against it it's that you can get a gym membership and go stare at the weights all day long and i promise you you could spend more time in the gym than anybody but if you're not in there pushing against the stuff, if you're not using it, you're a weakling. Like, man, I spend 
six hours a day at that gym, and I just don't know. Nothing's happening. Well, you got to get in there. you got to meet some resistance. you got to overcome something. And the more you do, the things that used to seem like just huge problems, they aren't even, they're like, oh, that? I, I used to struggle with that? I can't even believe that right now. And you're moving on to bigger and better things. You're starting to really conquer some mountains in your life. But you have to face some resistance and push back against it in order to grow. And I'm telling you this, you don't know how strong you really are until you're tested. We're fighting the good fight of faith, and, and there are tests that come against us in life. And I mean, that, that's not a bad confession. There's nothing wrong with saying that. You will meet some tests in your life. I one time, I was listening to Brother Hagen the other night, and, and somebody came up, this lady said, she came up and said, I need prayer. He said, well, what for? She's like, well, it's an unspoken. He's like, I'm not praying for that. <laughs> you know, and I know a lot of denominational churches, they're really into the unspoken thing. He's like, she's like, well, why won't you pray for it? He's like, well, what if what you're praying for is unbiblical? I'm not going to agree with you on something that's unbiblical. I need to know what I'm praying for here. I'm not going to do that. Or maybe you're praying for something the completely wrong way. I have no idea what I'm getting into. I'm not going to align myself with something that I have no idea what it's for. I, I love you, but I'm not going to pray for it. She's like, fine, I'll tell you. I want you to pray that I'll never have any trouble ever again for the rest of my life with the devil. He's like, done, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you just kill her now, take her to heaven in the name of Jesus. Amen. And, and she's like, whoa, what are you doing? He's like, the only way you'll never have trouble with the devil for the rest of your life is just die now and go to heaven. Let's just get, let's get it over with. Come on, you know, go to heaven right now because there's no way that you're going to live in this world and never have any trouble again. But you've got to overcome and push back against it to start to grow. Amen? And you know, Kenny Gatlin preached a great sermon here last year about having some real spiritual combat experience. And, uh, and because we have a lot of experience on the target range. I mean, a lot of us, we've fired at targets a lot. And, and you know, there's people that, you know, they like to go out and, and, and target practice. And that's that's a fun thing to do. That's really cool. But... The target doesn't shoot back. There's a whole other difference between shooting on the shooting range and being in a live combat zone. You may have been great when there was no actual opposition. You may have been awesome when there was no enemy firing back. So you may be able to say, yeah, I hear the word all the time, man. I read it. But listen, you don't know how strong you are until you actually overcome something. And there's a real live enemy attacking you. And that's why I encourage us right now, become a doer of the word. You've got to step up to the plate. And so you could be a sharpshooter on the on the target range when nobody else is around, when nobody's actually fighting back, when there's no real enemy, when it's safe, and that's great. But you could get annihilated on the battlefield if you've never, ever actually fought a real fight. You have got to step up to the plate and be a doer of of the Word of God. Let's look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Amen. Who's having a good time? I, I feel it. I, I feel it. You guys are really putting out the vibe tonight. Vibing. Amen. Putting out those vibes. Woo! <laughs> Calm down. 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 in the New King James here. 1 Corinthians 3. And so this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. 
And maybe you know a little bit about them. They were an interesting group of people. They were very carnal. They had a lot of sin that they lived in. But they could speak in tongues and stuff, so they thought they had it all together. And, uh, and Paul was like, you guys, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. I mean, this, was a, this church was messed up. And they, they, didn't, they never dealt with sin or anything, but they had the gifts of the Spirit in operation, so they thought that they were, you know, the bee's knees. But they didn't have it together. So 1 Corinthians 3, starting at verse 1, Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. It's like he's talking about when he was with them. He's like, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. How would you like your spiritual father to say that to you? Like, I can't talk to you like a spiritual person. I've got to talk to you like a carnal person because you can't handle it. It would, you, it would absolutely be beyond you. Ow, that hurts. I thought I had it. Can you imagine if the pastor said that to you? Listen, there's some things I'd like to say to you, but uh, I, I can't talk to you like an actual spiritual person. We've got to talk to you like the rest of the unsaved world, like a carnal person, because you can't, you can't handle it. It's, you wouldn't even understand what I'm talking about. Like, jeez, calm down. That hurts, man. But listen, he's just keeping it real. He's like, and I, you're still not able to handle it. You're still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Well, what does carnal mean? That means someone who's controlled by their flesh and not by their spirit. That means of, it means of, of the flesh. Of the flesh. And so, a carnal Christian, they don't have any trouble watching movies full of cussing and nasty scenes and things like that, or, or, or going out and, and looking at people they aren't married to and lusting. They don't really care. They're carnal. They're of the flesh. They just want to do what makes their flesh feel happy. And Paul said, this is what you guys are like, man. You're, you've heard it. You've heard the message. You don't ever do it. I, I can't talk to you like I would to spiritual people. I've got to talk to you uh, uh, like mere men, because that's what you behave like, just like the rest of this world. Like, man, that's, that's some pretty deep stuff. But why would Paul say that? This is a group of people that they knew what the word said. They just chose like, yeah, I, it says that, but I don't know, man. I just, I'm not feeling that right now. And that's a dangerous place to live in right there because you're not going to grow. These are people that have been saved for a long time. But Paul said, you're all a bunch of babies. I got to treat you like babies. I'd like to teach you deeper things, and in Christian circles we call that the meat. You know what I mean? Called, and he's like, I'd like to feed you meat, but you you choke on meat. If I gave you a if I gave you anything deeper, you you choke on it. You wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. I've got to feed you. Uh, I got to feed you like a baby, man. We got to get out the Gerber and twist the lid off and spoon feed you. Jesus loves you. Yes, He does. Mm. Mm. You're good enough. You're smart enough. Doggone it, people love you. Yeah, you know, and they can't handle much more than that or else it would blow their mind because they're immature. And I know people like that. You know, people like that. That I mean, and everyone's like, oh, that's a that's a spiritual brother right there. He's been in this for 25 years and you don't know it. But he if he, we gave him a, you know, a carne asada burrito, he'd choke on it. He could he could not handle the meat. And and that's a sad place to be in. You should be able to eat a steak when you're 30 years old. Katie and I went out for steak dinners the other night. The real deal. The real deal. Sirloin. 
And I'm telling you this, it was great. But I couldn't have done that when I was a year old. I couldn't have handled it. I would have choked. But I love it now. And there's deeper things in the Lord that I couldn't have handled, you know, years ago. But I can handle them now because I've grown some. And you should be growing in the Lord. But you're not going to if you're not a doer. Does that make sense? We're not over, you know, going over our heads here. If you're not a doer, but you're just a hearer, you are not going to grow. You're going to be 30 years old and still be eating baby food, getting your diaper changed. And mommy and daddy got to take you everywhere, take you to daycare to play with the other toddlers and pick you up later on. And you can't do anything for yourself. That's sad, isn't it? I don't like to see people like that, but I know people like that. And so you won't grow. The second thing that's going to happen if you're just a hearer, you, you hear the word, but you never actually do any of it. The second thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to be, be a person that lives in deception. And that, I mean, that's not even that hard to, to pick up there because James 1 of 22 said the exact same thing. That it be doers of the word and not hearers only or else you're deceiving yourselves. You know, the example we used earlier about someone giving the, you know, the weightlifters advice, but they never actually lift weights themselves. That's a great example. They're deceived. I mean, if someone comes up and, and comes up to this weightlifter, you know, we'll, we'll use me as an example again. I come up to the weightlifter. I'm like, man, you're doing good. But let me give you a few pointers here. Everyone will look at me and say, that guy's deceived. He's crazy. Why are you, you're giving him pointers? You're deceived. And everybody else can see it except for me, right? And that's how it is when you're deceived. Everybody else sees it. It's obvious, like, oh, man, he's, he's deceived right now. But, he's, but the deceived person doesn't see it themselves. I was talking to someone just a few weeks ago, and they're like, man, listen, I know I haven't been coming to church lately, but listen to me. This is going to be hard to believe. God told me not to for this season. And I said, you're right. That's pretty hard to believe. <laughs> Because nowhere in the Bible can you find a scripture to back that up. He's like, I know, I know, man. Isn't that crazy? It's pretty crazy. <laughs> yep, that's out there. <laughs> it's pretty wild. And, and he's like, I know, right? And, 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 but, but I promise you, man, I'm not backing off. Oh, I'm more on fire for God than I've ever been now that I'm doing it this way. Like, yeah, right. I see you, man depressed and, and miserable and while well, I did just you're you're being out of God's house the, the joy that it's brought to your life is evident to all you look so depressed and sad and crying and bawling and like wow it's really doing you a lot of good to not be surrounded by the rest of God's family and and hearing the word of God that's really done a wonder for you man go you winning yeah no it's obvious to everybody the guy's losing it going downhill fast but he can't see it Everyone else sees it. It's evident to everybody. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people like that that are, well, you know, I'm cool and I, I, I still, hey, I'm still where I've always been spiritually. I'm just kind of backing off from the church thing for a little bit. But, but I'm t- uh, hey, I'm not losing ground. I'm not backsliding. <laughs> you are. Yeah. And everybody sees it except for you. But anyway, and I'm, see, I'm preaching to this crowd and you, you guys aren't the ones doing it. Isn't that sad? I wish people would listen. But anyway, um, yeah. So when you are a hearer but not a doer, you will be a person that lives in deception. And you can't blame the devil. you got to blame you. You did it to yourself. And that's a sad thing, to deceive your own self and then suffer the consequences from it. 
And, you know, I know a lot of people that I know that are deceived, they're, they're deceived in the area of thinking that they, they know more than someone like that's really dedicated their life to the word. You know, one of you guys or pastor, or I, I, I see people badmouth someone like Kenneth Copeland a lot. And I'm like, okay, let's just examine fruit here, amigo. He's led millions of people to the Lord and you've probably never actually prayed for somebody else. But you're so deceived. Well, I study the Word every day, man. I study for hours. And I know guys that don't even go to church but study the Bible for hours a day. And then they want to come and tell you that somebody that's actually bearing fruit, they'll come against somebody, like I'm just using Kenneth Copeland for an example, because the man's been in ministry for 50-something years, has literally won millions of people to the Lord. Or someone badmouthed Billy Graham, who preached over 3 billion people in person. Nobody has ever preached to more people in person than Billy Graham did. Not Paul, not anybody, not even Jesus in person. And so they'll badmouth somebody like that because they, they read and they hear, but they have never once led somebody else to the Lord. I don't want to hear a thing you have to see, say, Mr. Deception. You get away from me. I'll stiff arm you and I'll run to the end zone. Get away. Get away. That's dangerous to hang out with somebody like that. And I don't know if any of you hang out with people like that, but if you do, I'd stop. They're deceived, man. They're messed up. They don't even go to church, but then they want to, but they know more than somebody that's laid their life down for the Word of God, somebody that dedicates their time and, 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 and their everything to, to reach God's people. Pastors aren't perfect people, and, and, and there's people that know more about the Bible than me. That's fine. I don't have a problem admitting that. That's cool. That's fine. But I'm not going to listen to somebody that doesn't even go to church, that doesn't even go out and pray for people, that has no fruit whatsoever. I mean, hey, you know, none of us are perfect, but if you, if you haven't led somebody to the Lord in the last year, I don't really care to hear your evangelism techniques because they're failing. They're not working. If you haven't laid hands on the sick and they've recovered within the last five years, why would I want to attend your healing seminar? It ain't working. I've said it before. I've got a wonderful, beautiful friend who sells weight loss products. She's obese. I am not being mean. Not being mean. They obviously are not working. And she's dedicated to this. I am not being mean. But why would I want to, why would I want to take your advice on that if it's not working? Not being mean. It's the same thing if, why would I want to take somebody's advice on, on witnessing and evangelism? Well, that, that church, they're doing it all wrong. Okay. Step up to the plate and do it better. Come on, show us. If we're so wrong, show us how to go out and reach, you know, we reach thousands of people at Harvest Fest. Show us how to reach more than that because I, I want to reach more. If you've got the answers, amigo, let's do it. Show us. Right? And so, but, but I'm not saying that to challenge anybody either. I don't care. But what I'm saying is, that's how silly it is when somebody is deceived because they've heard the word, but they don't actually do it. They think that they, they think that they can, you know, they're, they're like me and Lawrence and Josh telling these quarterbacks how to play football. I, what do we know, right? John, come on, you know, my men, you know what I'm talking, Cle- well, Cletus kind of knows a little bit, but. That was a joke. You don't. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He was mean to me this morning. He had on a tie with a cross on it, so he thought that gave him the right to just go off running his mouth. But anyway, but what I'm saying is, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, 
there's some deceived people, and they look really silly. And everyone else can see it, but they can't. And it's because they've heard the word of God, but they don't actually do anything about it. Another thing to say about a deceived person is they rely on their own experience and perspective rather than the word of God. You know anybody like that? Oh, yeah, man, I know the word says this, but that's never happened for me, so I just gave up on that. Or, uh, or, or well, it, I don't, it says this, but it just, I don't know, man, that doesn't make sense to me, so I'm not going to do it. A deceived person, I'll say it again, a deceived person relies more on their own experience and understanding than they do on the word of God. When the word of God plainly says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. So it tells us, even if it doesn't make sense, just trust in the Lord. I promise you, his way is right. Even if you don't understand it, don't lean to your own understanding. Just acknowledge him in all your ways and then he'll direct your paths. It'll work out if you do it his way. And I was reading about... um, a condition that airline pilots can have, airplane pilots, called spatial disorientation. Spatial disorientation. And uh, a lot of airplane crashes that occur and result in death, a lot of the time it is determined that the pilot was suffering from spatial disorientation. And so what happens is, is while flying their airplane, they become disoriented and they'll, they can actually fly the plane upside down because in their mind they're tricked out, their mind's playing tricks on them and they think that they're right side up. And their, 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 their gauges, and Paul knows about some of this stuff, their gauges and the needles and everything are saying, you're upside down right now, you are going the wrong way. But in their mind, they're right side up. And, 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 and the gauge and the, and the, and the compass and everything say, no, you're upside down. But they're like, no, no, I, I know, I know what I'm doing. And in their mind, they're going the right way. They're not upside down. In their mind, everything else is wrong, but they're right. And that sounds crazy, but if you're disoriented, you can know how crazy it's been. If you've even been dizzy and the room's spinning. I mean, this type of thing happens. And a lot of airline and airplane crashes that happen, the pilot, he, he ignored all the signals, he ignored his compasses, he ignored everything else and relied on his own understanding, even though everything else said, no, wrong way, turn around, quick, you're upside down. They'll fly into the side of a mountain, they'll fly straight into the ground or something. In fact, in 2014, John D. Rockefeller's grandson uh, was flying his own plane and he crashed in New York. He was running uh, late for a, a meeting that uh, that he was going to, and so he took off in a hurry. And and, and he, I remember this on the news. And and he, John D. Rockefeller, we're talking about the richest man in the history of at least the United States, but possibly the world. This is his grandson, and he gets off in his plane, takes off, and they couldn't like he crashed into a neighborhood. What happened? What? Why'd that happen? I mean, there's, he, he was healthy, nothing was wrong, but after they studied it, they examined it, they did the detective work for a whole year, and finally, in 2015, they did, the National Transportation Safety Board determined that it was pilot error due to spatial disorientation. He ignored all the other signals that said, no, you're going, stop it, you're going the wrong way. Yeah, straighten up, straighten up, straighten up. I know it says that, but, but, it, but to me it makes sense to go this way. And he flew into a neighborhood and killed himself. 
And a lot of Christians, there's all the warning signs saying, you are going the wrong way. You're, stop it. Turn around. I know it may not make sense. Turn around. It may, you don't understand right now, but you will later. The Word of God says this. It doesn't make sense to your mind. But trust me, just obey it right now. Stop it. Turn around. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then they crash and burn. Like, I don't know why, man. I, I don't know why God did this to me. God didn't do it to you. Did not do it to you. He tried to warn, he, he was out there waving his arms trying to get you to stop, but you wouldn't do it. That's what a deceived person will do. Proverbs 14, 12, let's look at that. Proverbs 14, 12. I want us to, I mean, we know we, we want to be a group of people that are doers and not hearers only. Proverbs 14, 12, we'll read this in the New King James again. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And there's been a lot of people like, well, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And it ended up destroying their lives. I mean, it's easy to get, it's easy to make a wrong decision. It's easy to get lost if you've never actually done it. If you've never actually, you know, been a doer of the word, if you're not a doer and, and you've just been a hearer for a long time, you need, you need to be careful in the, in, in, in the decisions you make. Because it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. If you're a mature Christian, you'll look at this path and say, well, that seems right. But when you study it more, you're like, well, that doesn't line up with the word of God, so I'm not going to take it. And, you know, I've been presented opportunities. I've been, you have too over the years. And like, well, that looks really good. But the more you study, you're like, oh, wait a minute. No, the word of God says this and they're asking me to do that. So I'm not, not going to do it. I don't care how much it is. I'm not going to do it. Because you're a mature Christian, right? But an immature Christian, they'll come across the path and say, I know the Bible says this is wrong, but you know, I, I kind of feel like it'd be okay. I, I, I don't really see why. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me why the Bible says that. So I'm just going to go ahead and go down this path. But you didn't realize that that path was into oncoming traffic. <laughs> there was a reason that God said not to do it. And you may, maybe you don't know why, but believe me, you'll find out later. You, you will find out someday. And it says, there is a way that seems right, but it ends in death. Now, before GPS, it's a little bit harder to get lost these days, even though you still can. But I remember back in the day before we had all that, I mean, it, you had to really pay attention to, didn't you, to the road signs and to the exits. You had to actually, you know, learn your geography and your way around, like, which way's north, which way's south. You had to actually learn these things up until 10, 15 years ago. And, and it was real easy to get lost. Well, this seems like the right way because everyone else is going that way. So let's just follow them. But you don't know. It's real easy to do that, but there's a way that seems right, but it ends in death. And so, a deceived person won't know the difference. How do we avoid deception? Well, one way is to be a doer, not only a hearer, but to stay plugged in to the church, to the, to the Bible, to God's Word, not back up for one minute. We've got to stay plugged in. And the third thing we'll say is this about the consequences of being a hearer and not a doer. The third thing I'm going to say is this, is that it can bring about to you weakness. You'll be a weak person. And so I want to show you something here in Matthew chapter 7. 
Let's flip back here. Matthew chapter 7 to the New Testament. Matthew 7. We're going to look at verses 24 through 27. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Do we have any doers in the house tonight? I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Matthew 7, verse 24. And this is the story Jesus told about the wise man and the foolish man building on the right foundation. But Proverbs chapter 7, verse 24. Listen to this very first verse. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. It's built on solid rock. It is built on the right foundation. But look at this. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, did you see the two differences between these guys? They both came to Jesus, so we're both doing that. They both heard the teachings of Jesus, the Word of God. So, so far we're two for two, but the second guy did not do the teachings of Jesus. He did not obey them. He was a hearer, but not a doer. And Jesus said he's a fool. Anyone that will come and hear this, but not actually do it, they're a fool. They're foolish. And what happened? I mean, they, they continue to have similarities. They both build a house. They both have a storm come, a flood. They, bo- they both have the same circumstances come to them. But one guy's house is standing. Why is that? Because he built it on the right foundation. I mean, you know, this isn't that deep of a thing to understand here. But why do people choose to not lay a foundation of hearing and doing the word? Again, you're like me. You know a lot of people that they have heard the word, but they have not made it their foundation. It's not your foundation until you actually obey it. Because I could ask nearly any Christian, what's the foundation in your life? The word of God. Yeah, the word of God. Amen. Woo. Really? (laughs) But you don't do any of it. So what do you mean? I, I don't get it. That's not really your foundation. Until you are a doer of the word. It is not your foundation. That's something to consider. Because everybody is going to say that it's their foundation. I was listening to Pastor Willie George preach last year. And uh, it was after, I think it was Hurricane Harvey hit the Houston area. He said that one of his friends was building a church down there. And the soil is so sandy that they had to dig and dig. And people are like, well, we could probably go ahead and lay it here. And he's, and they're like, no, we're going to, we're going to, it's, it's getting expensive now. They had to put out extra money. They had to put out extra time. It got expensive, but they're like, no matter what, we're going to lay this foundation right. You know, they live in a hurricane area. And sure enough, the hurricane did come, but their building was fine. It was still standing and there was buildings leveled all around them. But even though it was expensive, even though it took extra work, they took the time to lay the right foundation. And a lot of Christians, they don't want to take the time to lay the right foundation. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to pay the price. They don't want to, it takes longer 
to lay the right foundation. I'll just be honest with you. It's more work. It's more effort. It, it takes more time to lay the right foundation. Yes, it does. And if you're just wanting to have a, you know, a quick house popped up overnight, then, I mean, that's fine, but it's not going to be as stable as the Christian that's been sitting under the word, hearing the word, doing the word, obeying the word, tithing and serving and, and showing up and praying for others and loving and turning the other cheek. That guy, it, I mean, hey, that wasn't as, that, that took a while to do. It was not an instant process, but in the end, that house stands and the other one collapses. And so, you know, I think about even a, a lot of the well, the house that Katie grew up in. I've told you about this. The original part of the house was built in the 1850s. And that sounds really hard to believe in California because our state was, you know, became a state in 1849. So there's not a lot of structures out here. Some there's some old Spanish Spanish missions. But for the most part, I hear somebody like, yeah, there's an old building over here. It was built in the 20s. That's like a new house over the, on the eastern states. Like, that's fairly new. But, uh, but this house, it was a beautiful. It was, they, they kept adding on to it. It ended up being a five bedroom, three bathroom house. It was a huge house. But this original part of the house, man, it, the walls and everything, you could just tell this is solid stuff. They, they built this in like the 1850s. They cut logs out of the woods and, and they built this thing. And the, the tornadoes that have come through there over the years, uh, the, the storms, the, the blizzards, this part of the house has seen tremendously bad weather throughout the last 150, 60 years or whatever it is. I mean, storms, we've got tornadoes, we've got terrible winds, we've got blizzards, and yet this thing is perfectly fine. Why is that? When I drive into town and I see some house in some cookie cutter neighborhood, they threw them all up within a week. And, and you know, you got, you got a whole neighborhood that popped up within a week. Then a storm comes and, and they all get leveled. I mean, these are beautiful homes. Why is that? They, they didn't put that much effort into it. They got the quick thing. You know, they, they, wanted, they, wanted, they wanted to get it done with. They wanted it quick. And sometimes the things of God, you know, you got, it's not just a quick thing. You've got to be patient. You've got to seed time and harvest. And Andrew Walmacoy says, I think we should call it seed time and harvest. Because sometimes we plant the seed and then the next day, hey, where's the apple tree? You dig it up and like, well, forget it. I guess this stuff doesn't work. You dig it up after a day. Well, you've got to be patient with the things of God. We're laying a foundation here. Give me a minute. Come on. This isn't an overnight thing. And so We've got to be prepared. You've got to be a doer of the word uh, or, or else you're just going to be a weak Christian. And the last thing that I want to say is this. And I got this from Pastor Willie George, but this like punched me between the eyes. I had a black eye for a week. It was awful. It was awful. But he said, when crisis comes, you will not just rise to the occasion. You will fall to your level of preparation. When crisis comes, you will not just rise to the occasion, you will fall to the level of your preparation. Some of you, that doesn't mean anything, but that means something to me. Because I know people all the time, they're like, they don't want to take the time to be prepared. They don't want to take the time to get God's Word in their heart. They just figure, yeah, whenever, the, whenever crisis comes, we'll rise to the occasion. You know, you see in all these movies and stuff, like, People that, you know, they just rise to the occasion and stop the bad guy. That's highly unlikely to happen. If you have never studied how to fire a gun, if you've never fired a gun, 
there's a very slim chance that you're going to be in the middle of some mass terrible situation and you're just going to be the hero that's never prepared himself and you just rise to the occasion. It could happen, but it's highly unlikely. Typically, we fall to the level of our preparation. You know, think about taking a test in school. I don't study. I, I just I rise to the occasion every time. I rise to the occasion, man. No, you usually fall to the level of your preparation. If you didn't study, you fail. And it's not fair that you can cheat the system and everybody else had to lay the foundation. Everybody else had to do it the right way. And you think, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm praying. I'm just going to rise to the occasion whenever it does happen. But I'm not going to ever prepare myself. You will fall to the level of your preparation. And so that's something I think we need to consider when it comes to being a doer of the word. And I challenge you. If there's something in your life, man, you, you start off with baby steps. We don't expect you to be Billy Graham tomorrow afternoon and have tent revivals and you're preaching to the whole world. If you, you know, you got to start somewhere. But maybe there's something on your heart that God's just been kind of, you know, hey, why don't you go out and take this guy out for a cup of coffee? Why don't you, why don't you go, you know, just send her an encouraging text? Why don't you, why don't you go and, and, and step up and serve in this area? Maybe there's just little things that God's been speaking to you. And, and clearly the Word of God says to do those things, okay? You know, the Word of God says that you should serve in His house. That's, you know, that's not too big of a stretch there. The Word of God says that we should encourage one another and build each other up. So that's not too far of a stretch to say you could text somebody an encouraging text. But I'm saying, start out with something small and actually do it. And then do something a little bit bigger. But step out and start doing something. Because you've got to start preparing yourself for the day ahead. And you've heard a lot of word. You've been in church. You've been listening. And hopefully you've been reading the Bible at home and whatnot. But you need to take it to the next level and actually start doing what it says. If not, you will be a very deceived person. And that's not something that you want on your hands. You want to be ready for the attack. Amen? So we're going to lay this foundation the right way and be doers. All right? Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. That's, that's all we got. That is all we've got for right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.